Today, we speak to a former teacher who started his own whisker oil company in the Lakes region, and we bask in the magnificence of his beard. I'm Matt Mowry, editor of Business NH Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, founder and president of Cardinal Consulting, and welcome to BizCast NH. Matt, um, again, sort of apropos, as we have, we've been doing a lot lately with our guests and, and our, our little segment in the beginning here, uh, we can't not talk about, I think, facial hair today. Um, we both don't currently have any, but I, I wonder, I wonder if there's... Naked faces. Yeah, totally naked brazen. faces. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we are, we are not, unfortunately, customers of our guests this week. But have you ever had a facial hair a beard a goatee anything no i you know i've always been curious about it okay you know because i always admire guys that can grow a really good Mm -hmm. beard you you know that look good yeah um i'm not sure if i'm one of them but part of this you know i've been with my wife since you know we've been 19 years old she's not a fan anything Uh scritchy scratch you know Uh, and so you know i you know you you go with the preference of the person that's going to give you a kiss. All right. Yeah. So, right. Well, I'm like, all right. You know, I, I'm not going to do it. Although during the pandemic, I've come close. Like, you know, if you don't have to go in the office every day and you don't have a Zoom interview for uh-huh. a bit, you know, what's the point of shaving? So yeah. I'm like, I see the appeal of it. Well, yeah. What so about you? well, let me ask you though. Like, if, if you go a bunch of days without shaving, does it come in like nicely? Do you think if you kept going? That it would, it's it would coming be a enough. Thing? I've been intrigued okay. by it, All right. but I'm not sure I've got the face to carry it off. Well, you never know until you, you try never it. know. Yeah, it's like growing your hair out, though. It's like this period of like, oh my god, this thing is like not there yet, and it's like, yeah, and I just look, you know, unkept and everything. Yeah, yeah, it's getting to that, you know, where it, it looks good yeah. stage, and yeah. and you know, and but I think you know, it's also you gotta be dedicated keeping it up, mm-hmm. which I think is worth it, right. You know, right, which we got to talk more about but, to our guests today. You know, because some guys do not the take upkeep. the time with it and they need to. Yeah. Oh, They're absolutely. Have it. Go yeah. full hog, I say, mm-hmm. you know, and Let's take care of that puppy. Right. That's right. Yeah. 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 No, I I had a short stint of some facial hair um, many, many years ago when I also had long hair, um, you know, like ponytail style, long hair, the face facial hair. I was working outdoors, that sort of thing. We need pictures of this. I have we some. We need to post somewhere. it along with somewhere. this. I want pictures. All right, I'll do it. I'll do it on the blog. You'll see it there. If but I how can did the find them. Go? Um, it, it came in, but it, it it was just it was not great. Like a it werewolf was, kind of thing. Or? I don't even know how to describe <laughs> it. The pictures will say a thousand words when we all, you know, our, our guests see those and go, oh my God. Uh, but again, a beautiful rabbit hole here on BizCast NH. Enough about my facial hair and your... your my uh, lack of. Yeah, well, hey, mine too now. Um, let's talk. Let's pull our guest in. Let's uh, let everyone know who he is. Our guest this week is Joe Fernald, founder of Winnipesaukee Whisker Oil Company in Madison, New Hampshire. A small business committed to making innovative, all-natural beard and tattoo products. Joe spent over 20 years teaching literature before leaving teaching to focus his energy on the business. Like many, COVID impacted his business in a profound way, and during the pandemic, he accepted a position at the Sap House Meadery, where he currently works as their head of sales. Now his time is evenly distributed between selling mead and running Winnipesaukee Whisker Oil Company. And most weekends, he can be found out selling at local markets, expos, and fairs. Um, Joe, welcome. And I loved reading your bio because it's it speaks to the many roots 
we take as entrepreneurs um, and how we pivot to make things work in, in a way that works for us. So to that end, I'll ask you first, how does someone go from teaching literature to making and selling beard oil? Uh, well, it's great to be here. Thank you. Uh, Good having to a have lot you. of fun down here. <laughs> uh, it was never the plan. Oh. Um, like a lot of things in my life, though, and I think for a lot of people, yeah, uh, the best journeys are just the serendipitous ones. Mm. Um, I was just the English teacher who every winter would grow a beard. <laughs> and like all other men, or you just referenced it, powering through the itching and all the irritation. And then I discovered that uh, just like the hair on your head, there's a certain hygiene protocols, mm. and that was uh, beard oil. And so, okay, where do I find beard oil? And, you know, maybe a barber would carry one, ordered a lot on Amazon, stuff would come in, and I was just utterly dissatisfied with the, with the product. So, curious guy, did a little research and said, well, how hard can this stuff be to make? Um, I used to brew beer. Uh, I can write poetry. How hard can it be to make a bottle of beard oil? So started making the product I wanted to wear, mm -hmm. um, which again, too, I think is where a lot of good businesses get started. Um, so designed a product that smelled the way I wanted it to, that was made of the highest quality ingredients. And the plan was never to do anything with it other than I'd have the <laughs> the best Kept beard around. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> and, um, so started mixing for about a year, made really, really rancid smelling stuff, um, and then just refined the, the formula, came up with a scent that I liked, the scent I wanted, and I was walking to class one day, and someone in the hallway commented, wow, what's that smell? Something smells really good. Mm. Oh, and we struck up a conversation. It was my beard oil. And, and good yeah. smells are going to stand out in a high school. I yes, yeah, yeah, for they are, sure. They are few and yeah, far between. For sure, in the hallways, <laughs> and even more so in the classroom. So I, I got up to the classroom, and uh, same thing. Hey, Mr. Fernald, what's that smell? Oh, that's my beard oil. I'm kind of chopping it up with the kids. And then one of the kids said, could you make something else that smells like that? Sure. I, by that point, I had learned a lot about the use of essential oils and making all natural products. Mm -hmm. So by that point, I was actually pretty passionate and committed to the, the notion of uh, all natural products as an option for people getting away from the cancer causing carcinogens mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that are just loaded in our skincare products. So, mm -hmm. um, so I was getting pretty good at it. Sure. I can make whatever you need. And uh, so I, that was the first dollar I made. Some kid asked me if I could make a pomade that <laughs> smelled like my beard oil. So I did that. And then as a joke, I thought it would be funny to start a Facebook page and feature beard humor. Oh. And I said, <laughs> okay, I need a name. Well, I I'm, I'm was teaching at Brewster Academy. Uh, so we're by the lake, Winnipesaukee, whisker oil, you know, plus English teacher, alliteration. Mm, this is great. Yeah. So the first couple posts were just literally poking fun at whatever. It was beard humor. Yeah. But Winnipesaukee Whisker Oil Company. <laughs> and uh, then the phone rang and uh, was a store saying, hey, we'd like to carry your brand. 
Oh. You're like, I didn't even know I <laughs> wait, had uh, one. Wait, what? Right. what? <laughs> <laughs> so that was a, a twist. Uh, went down to Black's Market, this great little uh, store in Wolfboro, New Hampshire. Mm. Met with them. I said, well, I don't really have a product. We set a goal. This was around Halloween. They said, well, let's try to get it on the shelves by the new year. And we got it on the shelves at Christmas. Did really well at the store there. And within five months, I was crazy enough to try to make a go of it. Wow. Um, So I got to back up and dive in a little bit too. Um, I did a very, 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 very short stint in uh, like liquids manufacturing at Mm -hmm. one point. And Mm -hmm. so I know that there's a lot that goes into Mm -hmm. like formulation and all Mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. You said you sort of learned about it. What was that process of learning? And, and, you know, formulating, you don't just necessarily like, you know, it's, it's all about the right types of oils and and amounts and all that. How did you learn that uh, so that you could do this? Um, so my personality, you mentioned rabbit hole earlier. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, a rabbit right. holer. Um, Beautiful. Go for it. We'll pull you out if you I, need to. Well, if I set my mind to something, I'm just a curious person that's going to around the clock, mm. uh, clock, night and day. I'm, I'm waking up reading articles. Mm-hmm. I'm just uh, kind of a voracious learner in that way. Uh, it's not always a great thing in life. <laughs> you know, but in this case and in a few other cases was really positive. So it was like every shop that I walked into, um, just talking to people, learning, learning, learning every day I would wake up and say, and I still try to do this, mm-hmm. uh, in business and even at the sap house, um, didn't wake up every day and say, okay, what will I learn today? You know? And so, uh, it was just reading hour after hour and talking to people. And then there was one absolute breakthrough moment. Um, met a woman working down in the Portsmouth area, big shop, but she was this little old lady and she had this deep, deep knowledge of oils. And uh. she was dropping stuff to me that no one else. And so just, yeah, I don't know. You learn on the spot, trial and error you know, read people's reactions, Interesting. what they like. And you were talking about, you know, within five months, you, mm-hmm. you know, decide to take the leap, but I don't want to gloss over that. That's a huge step for any entrepreneur. That's the scary part where, you know, you've got the, the steady gig mm-hmm. when you've been doing for years, you know mm-hmm. how to do it. And now you're going to, you know, kind of walk off the cliff into mm-hmm. the unknown to try and make, you know, mm-hmm. a, a business dream as it were come true. What was that tipping point for you, and how did you finally make the decision, like, yeah, I'm going to commit myself full-time to this? Yeah, it was just, I mean, I had a lot of life changes going on at that time. Um, Some of them really positive, some not so positive. And and I was a little bit naive, (laughs) you know. uh, That always helps. Yeah, that was (laughs) a little naive. It's good to know what you don't know sometimes. A little bit fearless. Uh, It's like, you know, when your child tells you they're going to go to college and major in, I don't know, something that as a parent you don't think they're going to make a nickel on. Right. And you say, okay, that's great. You're following your passion, but you know you're going to be broke. <laughs> and when you're 18, you're like, I don't care. Right. Um, okay, that's great, Joe. But you know most businesses don't draw a paycheck for three years. Oh, that's okay. I'm following my passion. And I learned pretty quickly that it didn't matter. I could have, you know, uh, of sales coming in, I would have 
$490,000 of overhead going out right. as a bootstrap mm. business. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really thankful of the journey my life has taken. Uh, in my 50s, kind of this whole second act, uh, gave 20 plus years to the profession of teaching, loved it enough to commit to 20 years. But there's just um, a whole new dynamic to my life that I love. So I'm glad I took the plunge. But it's a pretty, pretty bold move and certainly a global pandemic uh, <laughs> 26 months in was not part of the business plan. Right. Yeah. That is a tough one. And so before we get to surviving the pandemic here and how that uh, changed things, can you talk about, I mean, you were on a, a, a pretty good trajectory with the business in terms of growing it. Can you talk about how you were doing sales, where you were doing sales and how you went about building your brand? Uh, so again, it was a internet concept. <laughs> um, uh, the, the very first thought was, okay, I'm going to open a, a storefront, uh, but pretty quickly realized that going out and taking the product to the people at the craft fairs, at the expos, at the state fairs, tattoo expos around the country, that uh, one, the profit margin was better, and two, I could grow the brand quicker. So, uh, which, I mean, I think even in... Even the, the American worker right now, uh, I think fluidity and being fluid and mobile yeah. is um, is kind of the order of the day. And it's was this, I felt that was the same for the business. So I uh, started selling out at the markets. Every time you did, you would get a certain percentage of those reorders on my website mm -hmm. and through social media. So rather than sitting back and waiting for the customers to come to me, you know, sort of the brick and mortar model, that was really successful early on. Uh, you guys had me down at the Made in New Hampshire Expo. It was a knockout success. And then Matt had me down for an interview and did a wonderful article on the cover of um, New Hampshire Business Magazine. Yeah, business NH. Yep, Business NH. That was a real boon. So the first two years, yeah, it was a really nice trajectory. Just at that time, you know, it was 60 hours a week, but you'd go anywhere for a sale, starting to do some wholesaling. And uh, we were, I was really on a good track where you could, you could, I could literally look at the calendar and see, wow, at three years, that would have been that October. Mm -hmm. Following the start of COVID, the the math is going to shift dramatically, and it's you know the falls are a big payday because of your the state fairs. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're you're they're drawing some of these around the country, you know, over a hundred thousand people a day. Yeah, wild. Numbers. That is you know some serious exposure. So the fall you can really make hay. And then that fall didn't happen. Uh, and so March 2020, <laughs> yep. all our worlds got flipped on their uh -huh, end. Uh -huh. Can you talk about, you know, for someone who is, you know, trying to, to you know, continue launch a new brand, what that ended up doing for you, to you? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a miracle that, uh, that I still have a roof over my head. I mean, in all honesty. So uh, there was... Uh, I mean, it hit and it just eviscerated everything uh, because, as you know, I built my model 
on taking the product to the people. Mm -hmm. right. Interactive, selling it, people trying the product. And I mean, we had the we were fortunate enough to have made in New Hampshire this weekend. That didn't happen the last two years. Right. So uh, a lot of craft fairs and all that just went it, it dark. 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, Freiburg Fair Week. I mean, that is, you know, I can make three months salary in a week at the Freiburg Fair. Wow. And that was canceled. So, you know, there was a period of that fall where, I mean, if you have vendors who lost the Big E and the Freiburg Fair in a three-week span, I mean, there, there's vendors pulling down $50,000 in three weeks. That, I mean, it was just gone. Just stopped. Yeah. Done. So, uh, and there was definitely some generous government support and aid, but for the new business that wasn't able to show any profits, you know, like I got maybe $1,600 total mm. in federal support. So it was, uh, it was pretty rough. At what point, you know, did you go, I have to reevaluate what I'm doing in order to just be able to feed myself here, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and yeah. What kind of career traje trajectory than that did take? Because I mean, well, you've was, been doing a lot of pivots. I uh, yeah, I pivot. Uh, there was a three week period where I made a really good living selling hand sanitizer. Oh. Uh, I was at the f I um, before the government waived the regulations. I could read the tea leaves, and I saw that coming. So I started making. I was one of the first people to have. A lot of sanitizer. Oh, okay. So for about a three-week period, I did really well. But then the rest of the world caught up, saturated mm. market, you know. Uh, it was July. I had started on unemployment. Uh, I was maybe a month into that. Saw that the Sap House Meadery was hiring on their Facebook feed. Uh, it's a company I had a, a small business that I had a lot of admiration for. And I sent Matt a text. They were hiring a delivery boy. And I said, hey, I hear you're, you're hiring. <laughs> and he said, are you kidding me? You would come here and deliver sandwiches? Yep. <laughs> right <laughs> now I would. I've got yeah. to feed my kids. So I uh, went in there and I was driving around Ossipee and up through the mountains and door to door dropping stuff. And took making it, it work. Yeah, made it work. Took a pay cut in terms of, I think I actually lost money uh, going to work there because the unemployment was pretty good at that time. Right. But it just, I knew that wasn't sustainable and that I would be looking at sort of a two year or whatever hiatus in my life where there was no personal growth or nothing, no seeds planted. Right. Mm. And so that was kind of the plan in the back of my mind with the sap house and uh, it worked out and it, now I'm their head of sales. So, Joe, I mean, um, so you pivot and and go, you know, right now things are shut down. I'm not able to make the sales I need to. Um, and so you take this job with Sap House Meadery. But now, I mean, you, uh, you know, obviously rose up the ranks pretty quickly and head of sales. Uh, and I guess, you know, that seems like a natural fit. I mean, you have to be a really good salesperson to grow a whisker oil business the way you did. So can you talk about what you took from your business and applied it to Sap House and, and what that's uh, you, you've been able to do for the brand as a result. So actually, I think the common denominator, <laughs> the most important thing that prepared me for sales 
was my teaching experience. Really? How so? Yeah, um, sales is about understanding what the consumer wants mm-hmm. and the person in, in front of you. And you can go in and kind of steamroll the customer. This mm-hmm. is what I have. This is what I'm going to sell you. And they're not interested in that. Same concept with teaching. 15-year-old kid sitting in there, I have, in their mind, they're thinking, I have no use for William Shakespeare mm. at 7.30 in the morning in February in <laughs> New Hampshire. Yeah. And so it's um, if you can sell poetry to a 15-year-old, you can <laughs> surely sell mead <laughs> and <laughs> beard oil and tattoo products. Oh. You know, so, But t- teaching is it's reading their body language. Mm understanding when you're speaking to them are they following you watch it so all right. of it is just it's teaching so sap house um they first actually saw me at the made in new england expo mm-hmm. we i mean we had met i was a civilian going into the meadery and sitting there and having mead but didn't really have any kind of relationship we happened to be across from each other at the last made in new england pre-pandemic and Matt came over to me about halfway through. Matt uh, is one of the owners and said, man, you are really good at this. And so that planted the seed. So I, I think they knew when I started that um, I had some things to offer. Hmm. And you just you go in, you keep your head on a swivel. And uh, I got really good at talking customers into buying more mead. Yeah, and then it just <laughs> yeah, it just evolved, and uh, because they're the kind of place I want to work for, it just made sense. That's cool. And at this point in life, right now, I mean, I have a twelve-year-old daughter, um, so you know the medical benefits, the fact that Sap House has the four hundred one k for their employees, things yeah. that I admire. Yeah, it makes sense to do that, and they've been supportive of me also growing my business. Well, I was going to ask that. I read, uh, I think, even a, a, maybe it was a blog post or something from their website that mentioned you mm-hmm. and mentioned Winnipesaukee Whisker Oil. Mm-hmm. And and that's awesome that they are supporting you in your right. entrepreneurial journey while you're supporting them. Right. Yeah. So, and I so how that. do you balance that now that you're, you've got, you know, a very much a full-time job um, helping mm-hmm. them to grow their brand mm-hmm. and at the same time bringing... Wh- when did you decide it's, it was time to... You know, maybe it was time to redevote more time to building the brand, your Winnipesaukee, um whisker oil brand back up? Um, I mean, even in the, the depths of the pandemic, mm-hmm. I knew that as soon as uh, the on switch was flicked and you could go out and sell again Mm. that my product would sell yeah um i didn't because i didn't have a mortgage for the business or loans Mm. i mean if i had had loans and if i was in debt with the business i would not have survived so i i just knew like put your head down bunker down as soon as there's a chance to go out and sell you will go out and sell that that very day and make money so it was just faith in um, just ride it out. Nice. So, uh, but, and then again, uh, started selling for them and really liked it. How do I run the both of them? Uh, I mean, summers are a lot of work, a lot of work, mm-hmm. definitely learning to how I allocate my energy. And I mean, it's a fine, you only have, we only have a finite amount of energy. Right. And that's another thing I think that the, pandemic has taught a lot of people 
and perhaps the American worker, that how I utilize my time, maybe I have to work smarter, more efficiently, Mm -hmm. and work in a different way. So, um, you know, last week was a long work week. (laughs) (laughs) It's a long work week. Um, You know, driving down, setting up, you're you're at home at night. the expo, yeah. You know, that's the other thing. I make every product, Mm -hmm. every single product. I label myself. I, you know, make every one handmade. So, yeah, there's a lot of hours, but you just got to make hay when the sun's out. Exactly. Um, so let's talk about the product for a second. I We referenced earlier that I had a sad excuse for a beard many moons ago. Um, I What I never thought about, though, was that it needed something else or right. that it needed care. So tell us kind of from that perspective, what what does a beard need and or uh, and and what are in the oils uh, that you're producing and what is that doing for the hair the skin whatever it is is you know walk us right through that so it's it's just fundamental hygiene yeah really and when we grow facial hair uh, the hair naturally draws the healthy oil off of our skin mm. there's there's good oils and bad oils on our skin mm-hmm. everyone needs the healthy oil so Think of it like the hair wicking that oil off of it. And then it kind of dries up and dehydrates. So it's really all about dehydration of the skin. So huh. at early on, when the hair starts to come in, guys will tear their face up with itching. Mm. And that's just the dehydration process starting. Mm-hmm. So the all-natural oils, uh, your jojoba oil mm-hmm. and argon oils, they're a similar composition to our facial oil. So the healthy oil. So uh, by applying a little bit of that each day, it keeps the hair from pulling the oil off the skin and dehydrating it. So the skin naturally regenerates, healthy, it's clean. Uh, One of the biggest turnoffs, um, you know, guys that want to grow a beard and wonder why they're still not landing the girl, it's the dandruff. <laughs> you know, it's Aww. like you want to kill a first date, yeah. show up with a black shirt and white dust all over it. <laughs> so, and they're like, man, I heard this beard was going to hook me up. What's going on? Um, so the, the whisker oil uh, keeps the dandruff from happening, takes care of the itching. I'm, I infuse my product with a all-natural antimicrobial. Mm. So in addition, we're uh, cleaning bacteria, keeping it clean. Mm-hmm. So it, it just, it smells good, keeps the guy from itching, looks more presentable, softens the beard. It's just fundamental hygiene. Boy, he says it's just fundamental hygiene. And I had no idea I in my almost so much 40 in, years on this I earth. I had no idea. Right. Yeah. So there we go. I've so, got a very serious question now. <laughs> yeah. Were you a Viking in a past life? I mean, beard oil and and mead. I yeah, mean, you don't get too much and, more manly right, than and that. And my tattoo products <laughs> are my ta- best sellers. Holy moly! So yeah. So what? Tell us about the tattoo product. Why you developed that and what it does? So it, uh, a same thing. Designed the products I wanted to use mm. and capturing the skill set that I had that had been developing, working with the all natural oils and products. Uh, when you get tattooed, um, t- so tattoos are the same way. You, I mean, people spend these days on a sleeve $5,000. And wow. it's, again, upkeep. Every artist tells yeah. the person, moisturize, 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 mm-hmm. and people don't do it. So mm-hmm. the moisturizers they were giving me were greasy. They were cumbersome. They just, uh, in terms of healing, 
they I felt like they choked out the wound. So I was pulling my hair out because my arm was itching and drying and, oh. you know, all the tattoo process. So designed a product for myself called Ink Armor. That's uh, it's all natural oils. And then I infused it with red raspberry seed oil, which is a all natural low level SPF, but huh. really great for sun, for sun damage. And then um, topped it off with astringents, which are a genre of all natural oils that um, help keep wrinkles out of the skin mm-hmm. and, and uh, keep the skin tight. So I describe Ink Armor as uh, increasing the pixelization on the tattoo. Uh-huh. So it's easy to sell because the second it goes on a tattoo, people see an immediate uh, it's like the TV coming back into focus uh. we bring, or bringing it in, ah, okay. into 4K. Mm-hmm. Prevents know. that mermaid from becoming a manatee. Basically. Exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So, oh. yeah. So, um, beards, meat, and tattoos. That's uh, how I yeah. make my living. And I think we need one more question where we uh, – more <laughs> learning for our, our listeners. Yeah. But, you know, so a lot of people are familiar with beer and wine. But, you know, mead is starting to really come into its own. Can you talk a little about what mead is and yeah. how you market it mm. to uh, particularly Americans? Right. So mead is the oldest alcohol in the world. Uh, the earliest evidence of it is about 9,000 years ago in China. Uh uh, meat is honey wine. So with your traditional wines, uh, you take grapes, and from the grapes are where they're getting the sugar and the alcohol. Mm-hmm. With with mead, it's you're taking the wine, and as that's fermented, you uh, it turns to alcohol. So the earliest and existing recipes for mead were to just take rainwater and honey Old rainwater, they said. <laughs> oh, so they okay. they somehow knew that would help it um, turn to alcohol, but they hadn't quite figured out yeast and all that. So, right. but it's just uh, it's, it's honey wine, and it's uh, really versatile. People, the, the first thing people say is, "Oh, it's, it's too sweet," and that's a misnomer. Uh, one of the things that I've really learned working at Sap House is. There's a a mead for every palate, and uh, so like our bourbon barrel meads and our barrel aged meads, those are not sweet. They are dry and incredible. On the other end of the spectrum, just like port wines, mm. there are some sweeter meads that are designed for dessert. So uh, it's a really versatile, cool product. Um, I love. Well, some people know this, but and this is part of just. It's teaching, right? Right. It's teaching. When I, when someone comes up to me and they're oh, sampling meads, I my mission is to teach them what it is, and what what mead is, and uh, who Sap House is. So the history of Sap House and the history of mead, and then we've got it. But uh, you know, in Ireland, it's still tradition mm-hmm. to bring mead to an Irish wedding as a gift. Uh, in, in Gaelic, they call it Minimela, which is the month of honey. Oh. <laughs> and so the some of you may know that story, but honeymoon takes its root from oh. from the mead world. Oh, I so did not know that. The Hello. premise is, so like in Ireland or places like Greece, when a couple was married, it was tradition that for one month, every night, they would drink mead. 
uh, with the idea that they believed it created uh, or improved fertility. So of course that was the first uh, right. right? <laughs> so so for one cycle of the moon, mm. you drank honey, thus a honeymoon. Oh. So when we say we're on our honeymoon. If you're on your honeymoon, you should be drinking mead. Yeah. There you go. And you should go for a whole month, too. For a month like of that. mead. So your honeymoon should last a month. And in Ireland, it was actually tradition. If the couple conceived of a male uh, or a male, they would then go back and tip the mead maker. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Leave it to the teacher, right? Right. Um, I have one more question. I yep. What I love to do when our get, we, we line up guests is obviously a little bit of research and there's surface kind of level research. And then there's stuff where you, you know, you kind of go, Oh, wait a minute, what is this? I'm, uh-huh. you know, I'm seeing this. I found a blog post. Um, and I found that blog post about your dad. Yeah. Yeah. And I want you to talk about your dad, how he inspired you, um, how, you know, who he was, how he inspired you. I, I would love to, if it's okay with yeah. you, link to that blog post sure. on our blog so that folks can read right. it. It was really, really, um, it was a wonderful story. Oh, it was cool. inspiring. Um, I, I loved it. And I said, I can't not ask about your dad, who sure. um, seems like the focus on all natural uh, mm-hmm. is specifically there because right. of yeah. his, his struggles. Yeah, so um, my dad was a hardworking man. Uh, I think in the first, I don't know, maybe paragraph of that, mm. I think I referred to him as a redneck. Yes. And <laughs> that, uh, that that wasn't a pejorative mm-hmm. where we were mm-hmm. from. That uh, He probably would have worn that with pride because he would uh, keep food on the table, a smile on your face, and hardworking. So, uh, and there was a lot of laughter around my dad. <laughs> so I think that... My dad's um, personality shaped the tone of Winnipesaukee Whisker Oil mm. in kind of masculine, funny. When I sell, I'm kind of a jokester. Uh, so we, we like to laugh. Um, and he tragically died of cancer at 52 years old. Ugh. And as I got into understanding all natural oils um, and skin, Skincare and cosmetics uh, is—it's astounding the chemicals that go into our skincare mm-hmm. products. Mm. Uh, the average American, this is, and this is well documented, uh, and our legislators know this. <laughs> Every everyone who's making decisions knows this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the average American puts 126 synthetic uh, chemicals in their body. Every single day in their Ooh. skincare regimen, 126. So from your shampoos, your perfume, your toothpaste, deodorant, mm-hmm. um, uh, sunscreen. I mean, we are bathing ourselves in uh, really toxic uh, chemicals. Chemicals. Mm. One in five Americans gets uh, six. There, I think there are six major car- cancer-causing carcinogens. One in five Americans gets all six every day. Oh my God! Wow. In their skincare regimen, and but the FDA, the the government's policy is, as long as what's in the bottle is stated on the bottle, mm-hmm. you can put oh, put yeah, it you in. Oh yeah, motor oil in it for God's sake. Yeah, so <laughs> it's buyer beware. Mm. So when you walk into a pharmacy, a lot of times, in my estimation, 
you you're buying cancer in a bottle mm-hmm. and uh, just spraying spraying it on every day. The government asked me if I would voluntarily register my product with them, and I did it. And you would think I had they they were ready to send me a medal for voluntarily registering products oh that you spray on yourself. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it blows my mind when I'm out selling and I see the, uh, the food commissioners coming through and it's like, if I want to sell a baked potato, I have to jump through rings and they'll shut people down or um, the spoons are the wrong way. But my booth or people who are skincare products, wild west. Yeah. Which, huh. so that's so, but that again, back to my dad, his death, uh, just really shaped that passionate commitment mm. to absolute refusal to put in. There are ingredients I could put in that would be cheaper, that mm-hmm. would solve certain problems I have, mm-hmm. and trying to design the product I want. Um, well, it wouldn't be the product I want because no. it would kill people. But mm. so, uh, yeah, that's thanks for mentioning that. Well, that's yeah, a, it's it, yeah, really from like my said, dad, it was kind of humor and commitment to not uh adding to the you know that vicious cycle cool um and any other thing too i think the whole name whisker oil (laughs) you know like i like to say beard oil is for boys whisker oil is for men (laughs) so yeah my dad would not have worn beard oil you know but whisker oil you know earlier we were talking about it coming in white yeah that's okay. That's yeah. that's whisker oil men that's embrace it. that. We don't sweat a little gray hair and like <laughs> you know whiskers on the face. Boys worry about that. <sighs> so we've covered a lot of history. I, before we end, I love the discussion and the humor. Um, but you know we've talked about history. Let's talk a, bit, a little bit about future. What's the future of Winnipesaukee whisker oil and Sap House? Uh, so both really exciting. Uh, Sap House were at a period of tremendous growth, um, coming out of the pandemic strong, new products, new accounts opening up. Uh, so I think, um, Sap House in a really exciting place means becoming a little more mainstream. You're going to see us popping up in a few more locations, uh, in the next year. So, and my future with them is just (laughs) to grow with them. And to kind of bring the experience I've had in my business uh, to the table with them. And so Sap House is definitely the next chapter of my life. We'll still be with them. Winnipesaukee Whisker Oil is kind of my side gig right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Yep. Gonna, I, because I don't have as much time on my hands, I've really had to target shows that I know are going to be a home run, really grow the brand. I have to be smart about Mm. how how many weekends I'm out working. But uh, the goal is where I'd like to be in five years, six years. My daughter will graduate from high school. At that point, I'll probably look to going back to year-round, 365, Mm. Winnie Whisker, out on the road, living in a RV and doing the southern run all winter, chasing the sun and Wherever there's markets and people outside selling. Cool. So I bunker down again, <laughs> but it's really commitment to my daughter 
and needing to be closer to home until she's 18, 19 and cool. And it's off. Cool. Well, he's chasing the sun. A good dad, a good guy, a good businessman, <laughs> Joe Fernald with Winnipesaukee Whisker Oil Company. Thank you so much for joining us today. All right. Thank you guys. I it's appreciate it. And now the buzz with Matt Mowry. New Hampshire exports hit a record-breaking $6.4 billion last year. That's up 16.7% from 2020. And what is New Hampshire exporting? Well, the top two sectors driving that growth were industrial and electrical machinery, which includes components used in automobiles, computers, and airplanes. And... In the food and beverage category, the Granite State's maple syrup industry ranked first among U.S. states for the first time since 2004, according to the New Hampshire Department of Business and Economic Affairs. And that's what we're buzzing about this week. Welcome back to the Cardinal Corner. I'm Nathan Carroll. This week, we're talking about something that everyone can get better at even our own Matt Mowry, time management. So let's check in with Matt first. See, um, how are you with time management, Matt? Oh, you know, I schedule in a lot of procrastination. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure that's working for me that well. Well, you may want to listen up. You may want to listen up. We're going to give some tips. So here's the thing. There are a million tips out there about how to best manage your time, right? So if you Google it, which I dare you to do, you'll be overwhelmed and some of it won't even make sense for you because you're you, not them. So what's most important though when you work to manage your time is that the expectations you set are realistic based on your personality, your workload, how you get your work done. For example, I know that I am super productive in the mornings. So I schedule certain tasks, certain types of tasks before noontime before my brain starts to melt. In the afternoon, I'm better off working on research or outside-the-box thinking, so that's when I tend to do that, right? So here's a few tips right for me based on my experience and my personality, but they may help you too. Number one, use an online calendar and put everything in it. Personal, business, haircuts, meetings, kids' practices, and even try to schedule chunks of time to do that certain work at certain times of day, especially the work that feels more difficult or overwhelming, right? Set a schedule and stick to it, although easier said than done, I know. Number two, find a CRM, a customer relationship management software or project management software based on your business that works for you, right? Many of these include tools that will schedule things for you, will help you to prioritize email correspondence, And we'll keep customer data starting as a prospect and moving through the sales cycle so you never miss a follow-up or an opportunity. Uh, Number three is me time, right? It's so important to schedule a few minutes to stretch, to eat lunch away from your desk, to take a walk, to get up and move, to play golf at 6 a.m. and then start your day. That's kind of what I do in the summertime. Whatever works for you, but again, stick to it. Even if it's five or 10 minutes here and there, taking care of you will help you stay less stressed, more organized, and more motivated. Thanks for joining me in the Cardinal Corner. Shoot, I gotta go, I have a meeting. Find more at our website, cardinalconsultingnh.com or on social at Cardinal Consulting NH. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard in today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a joint production of Business NH Magazine and Cardinal Consulting. Listen to us anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Mm-hmm.